I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have Jennifer Milius, who is the host of the Toughish podcast, but also a developmental editor. So if you're curious about editing and how it works and why you need it, you need it, she's here to help. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Emma and Shelly. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. So my first big question, what does a developmental editor do? (laughs) Awesome question. So (laughs) think in the big picture of editing. So when I'm reading, I'm looking for, if it's fiction, I'm looking for the bigger pieces of the story. I'm looking for character development. I'm looking for plot holes and pacing and and showing versus telling. So I'm looking for the story to be coming together for you to really get a feel for it. When I'm writing feedback, I'm telling that person, that telling that writer, hey, this character is strong, but I'm not seeing enough of them here, or I'm not seeing a balance of these characters, or we have a character and I'm not sure why they're there anymore. Do we need them or can we get rid of them type of thing? When it's Nonfiction, I'm reading for messaging because you know, that reader has picked up the book to solve a problem in some way. So they're looking for some kind of transformation, even if it's if it's a mindset shift of, oh, I didn't think of it this way, or some kind of action or something that they see themselves in and say, I'm not alone. They're looking for some kind of solution. So I'm reading for, again, pacing and and such and the storytelling, but I'm also looking for the transformation and the message. And are you connecting to the reader you say you want to connect with? Great. And how does one become a developmental editor? What's your background that brought you here? So I have been somebody who likes writing all along. I was the kid who would sit at especially in college, I'd open up the dictionary right beside me to write a paper. And I would just find a word, a random word, decide to put it in a paper because that seemed like a good idea. And it was going to work in my paper after I figured out what it was. (laughs) I was the kid who would write a paper about an hour before the to go to class. And then my professors were like, this is well done. Like, please do not reward this behavior in me right now. <laughs> but I, my, so my undergrad was journalism with an emphasis in PR. I have a master's in business. And throughout my corporate career of 20 years, I was typically working on communication messaging, some kind of helping people to help them to go from where they were to where they wanted to be. And a lot of that came into messaging. How were we connecting to those individuals and how were we helping them get to wherever that change, that end result was. So that writing was always coming into play, but it was technical sometimes in nature, nonfiction in that way, relatively speaking, because it's the corporate space. But in this current world, I basically started out as a beta reader and apparently not a very good one because (laughs) instead of just offering simple feedback of saying, hey, this is great, or hey, I'm confused, I started really dissecting and giving more structure and more more content back. And so the first person I, I did this with was a friend and she ultimately became a client. And when I, I remember reading one time going, can we get rid of this one character? I don't feel we need her. This is why. And she goes, Jen, she's the main character. I'm like, we need some work. 
because I'm not feeling it. So instead of saying, oh, That's harsh. I'm like, I wasn't trying to. But, I love this story, but this character, you mean Harry it, Potter? Yeah, get rid of Harry Potter. It'd be a better book. But I was trying to remind a Granger show. But I looked at it like, you know, instead of saying, okay, well, that's what do I do with that? Let's sit and talk about it. And I want it to be a part of the solution. I don't think it's ever fair to drop a problem or something and then say, okay, figure that out. No, you you don't do that. So it became fun to solve a problem, basically. How do we do this? And the feedback, it really became more show this character, build this out, you know, show their feelings, show versus tell. And it became a lot more of that coming into play. And in doing so, you could feel the character shift and the character became more dimensional because of that. And that became more fun. And so my my friend, ultimately becoming the client, she would joke because she said, well, you know, we're going to, here's the next set for the beta readers. I'm like, I don't really like beta. Beta sounds blasé. There's beta fish. I can be like a fish and you can give me food. So the chapter's food, give me more food. And she... <laughs> So we would sit there and just play around with it and have a good time. But ultimately, she was like, you know, you're kind of like one tough fish because you give me the best feedback, but you also help me to really strengthen my writing as a result of it. And I told her, I really want you to be successful. I want you to succeed. And so then it became, hey, would you look at the next book? Hey, would you look at the next book? And now we joke because we live relatively close to each other that people don't know, want to come by our Panera conversations or Kava conversations because it's like, what if without the context, what are you two talking about? That seems a little, what are you doing to that character? You know, type of thing. So it's fun. It's Those are the most joy. fun to listen in on. Those are great, especially if it's a murder mystery. Uh, <laughs> see, exactly, exactly. And we affectionately tease about now, what was in your search history? Is that still okay there? So, <laughs> so basically, I was just okay. going to say, so that basically, you know, it was, it was a part that just kept evolving. In my master's program, we had to turn in a paper that out of a cohort of five people, the teacher said, one paper, one voice, one grade. So when my team and I got together, everyone said, well, I can write and I can research yeah, on organizing, no one said editing. I was like, I, I can do all of that, but don't touch it when I'm done <laughs> because it's a lot of work to take those voices and really blend them and structure them. So it f- felt authentic, but it was a lot of pressure too. Mm-hmm. And it, I thrived in that. It was fun. It was really such a neat experience. So it was always an underpinning of what I did. So after you do the developmental editing, do you also then do a line editing or is, or is that completely outside of the realm of what you work on? Like I, for grammar and that type of thing. I don't necessarily look for like copy and proof. I'm not going into the, hey, we need a comma here. There are times when I see it and I will fix it, but I'm, I recognize that the type of editing that I'm doing, the author is probably going to be rewriting pieces. So my... Right. My change in that particular piece may not, it's not going to matter really, but sometimes it's, I need it for clarity to make sure I'm following along or maybe to show something that needs to happen. But I will go in when I see, so a line edit when I think of that is, let's look at the the voice and the word and the, the word choices that are going on. And like very mad, there's a lot of other ways to say that with one word instead of two words. So I will 
look at those type of things and I'll make recommendations to strengthen the writing. And there are times when I, I run along the comment section. So I will comment literally inside each paragraph, each chapter scene and make notes. And there are times when I'm like, suggest something more like, what do you think about this? Or what else are they doing here? And I'll ask them prompting questions to show this is more of what I'm, let's round this out. Let's fill this out more to, mm-hmm. to add some dimension or to slow the pace or to quicken the pace. Let's make some adjustments here. How do you make sure that you maintain the author's voice and vision as you're making what sounds like sometimes large changes to the manuscript that they're giving you? So the first thing that I do is offer a Zoom chat. If someone wants to work together, I think it's important that we click. I want that person to feel like they know they have somebody in their corner. And I want to feel really excited and connected to their project. So the first thing I do is suggest, hey, let's do a consult. And in the consult, it has an an intake form where you can tell me about your book, tell me about where you are. But during the call, that author comes alive when they start talking about that book. And so I'll ask them, tell me about it. And I'll add other notes to what I'm already thinking and feeling as I'm listening to them and get them to push a little bit further. Or if I can tell that the reader's not that clear, I'll push a little bit more and say, now tell me more. Because right now, this feels like it's this broad. And we need to narrow this down a little bit more so that this person knows that it's for them. So how, how might we do this? Talk to me more. If it feels good, then I will offer a sample edit so that they can actually see what I do and how I do it because every editor, is so, it does something different and you want to be able to f- receive the feedback from that person. Truly, you really want to feel like just because we click this way doesn't necessarily mean that when you get that feedback, you go, oh, great. Or you might say, that's really not what I needed. I thought that's what I needed and maybe I do, but I can't take it from that person that's okay. You want to find the right person. So I look at that as really kind of like an interviewing process. It's just as important to that writer to find the right fit as it is to me, because then I'll know that I'm the right person for that and then be able to stay in their voice. And if I feel like I'm deviating, I'll ask. And I want the writer to come back and go, hey, this doesn't feel right. Or where were you coming from with this? I don't, I'm not sure I'm following. We want that conversation. You want that conversation so much. So if the writer feels like there's something off, speak up. I want you to speak up because it's your book and you should be super excited about it and you should have the right team in place for it. What if you have an author that's not good about talking about their book or themselves? (laughs) Shelly? Or just kind of like, well, I wrote this book and yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I get that because sometimes... You might be looking at a manuscript for so long that you go, I know I need something, but I don't know what that something is. So sometimes in that discovery call, that consult call, I'm able to discern that there's some, what else might be going on and make some suggestions, make some observations. But then when the sample edit happens, sometimes that might just be the thing that that writer needed to realize. I realized I I knew I needed more. I didn't know what. But I realized you might be the right person to help me unlock that. And I mean, I've had some of my clients tell me, you've kind of acted like a therapist for me. You've acted as a cheerleader. You, I can hear you in my, I feel like you're sitting on my shoulder sometimes with going, now, what do you think about us doing this? And <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad because 
I, I want that relationship. I think that that's the thing that's most important. So if, even if you feel like you're in your sh- a little bit of a shell, when you find the right person, you will feel more comfortable to allow yourself to be uncomfortable and vulnerable because working with an editor, especially someone who is coming in at the earlier parts of the manuscript and helping you strengthen it, questioning what's there, that might feel a little scary. And you want to work with someone that you truly get along with and you trust. Are there common issues that you see that come up in a lot of manuscripts that you could share with our listeners so they can maybe be alert to them in their own work? Sure, sure. So one of those, and really when I mentioned earlier, was the very something. You could easily do a search. You can find very whatever and strengthen just that alone. Sometimes might be the thing you needed. But when I'm reading, I'm looking to feel that space. So read it out loud first and foremost. When you read it out loud, you can feel the characters. You can see what should be happening. It takes on another level, if you will, in which case you'll hear errors, you'll hear typos, but you'll also hear where you're and feel your body act it out if you need to, because you might read a line and realize that you're starting to you know, arch your back or bristle. Well, that might mean your character's doing that and you're not showing it enough. How might you describe that more? And, and I will, I will read each piece out loud. I act it out. I mean, I hope someone does not look in the window or walk, walk by my open door because you might see all this happening, but then I'll make notes. This is what was going on. And there have been times that I've said, hey, if you put me in something like this, I would be pushing back a lot more. So, I, Or what's going on with this character? Would they push back or are they more reserved? Because I'm looking for a bit more. Or for instance, um, maybe you've introduced several characters but they're really not clear about who they are. So could you introduce, say, character number three in their own chapter to kind of bring them a little bit forward to, to you get to know them and understand why they're there? Because if you don't understand why they're there, your reader won't. Mm-hmm. There have been times when I've been reading along and a new character is introduced, let's just say chapter 15, and a new character is there. And it almost seems like they're replacing previous characters. The reader might be going, hey, who are you? What's going on here? So if that's where the reader is, get your other characters to go, who are you? Why are you joining us on on this effort type of thing? Because that will help your reader to feel that. Hmm. So what kind of timeline should someone expect when they give like uh, a book to you to do a developmental edit on I failed in that and did not plan ahead of time, not realizing that people were booked out for months, potentially. So what type of time frame do you generally feel that you, you give people and how long it takes you to do a developmental editor on a, a full-size novel? So first off, if there is a full manuscript ready, the sample edit also helps me to get a feel for how much work is necessary because Some pieces might not need nearly as much as others. That first round needs more because it is raw, relatively speaking. It's a well-done first round, but it is still a, a first draft. So going through that first part, I usually take a couple of months in particular to just work through that. And I would like, I'm slow. So if I, when I'm looking at my current workload and I'm slow intentionally because I would much rather 
take the time and do make sure I'm doing it right than rush just because of a deadline. And so I look at that and say, look, it, there's no harm in asking. And if you know of somebody where you need something, talk to different editors because every editor is going to have a different schedule and have openings where someone else might not. They might have had a project change that they have more opening than they thought they did at that point. But at least when you know you have an idea about when you want to get on the calendar, have a conversation. Start early and say, hey, I think I'm going to have a first round available in a few months. Do you have some availability or can we talk about it then? But if you're able to interview your editors on the earlier side, then when you're ready to start, it doesn't feel as intimidating because you can, you've already secured, you've already done the work, and then you can work out together what timing is needed for that. The, the thing is, it's not always the first pass that's the difficulty. It's the second pass. Because once you get that first round, you've gotten feedback. But now what do you do with it? Right? What do you how do you take this feedback that you have been given and work through another iteration, another several drafts before you send it back to the editor to say, how is it now? And, and that's the part that's difficult to gauge because it's really contingent on the writer, their calendar, what's going on, how the writing is flowing for them. But when you set a timeline that seems reasonable for what you feel you can accomplish, start those conversations as early as you can. There's no harm in that. If they're able to do something sooner, they'll tell you. But we're looking definitely at months of working on the novel. You know, you're not going to give it to them and have them send it back to you in a month. Right. This is not like track changes, except this, you know, just be able to accept all track changes as these are the edits and we're done. That this is not that kind of an edit. Okay. So if people are interested in getting a developmental edit, you've talked about sort of interviewing different editors, but how would they how would they start going about finding them and then potentially hiring one with yourself as an example? How might they do that? First off, talk to your friends who are other writers because they might have a recommendation who they've worked with that they feel excited about. A lot of the first off, a lot of the clients that I've started with were referrals in some way. Also put yourself out there and ask in other writer groups or be a part of publishing book author spaces and see what's coming up for them because resources are put out all the time. There's one in particular that I'm a big fan of is the Women in Publishing Summit. And they do a beautiful job with their virtual summit, but they also share resources periodically of here are editors or here are book cover designers or formatters, all different ways of how you, the different facets of bringing a book to life and into the market and continuing that path of now it's in the market and now what? They do a a wonderful job of pulling information together. So even looking at hubs like that would be helpful. I've just bookmarked it. I hadn't heard of it before. They are (laughs) phenomenal. I I speak very highly of them because I, I genuinely think their work is just beautiful. The summit is a great experience. Just saying it. Yeah. I did the two day, they did like a two day intensive. Basically it was training all day that you could drop in and out of. And there was some really valuable stuff about distribution and getting your book into libraries and all kinds of things like that, that really valuable. 
Right. Yeah. Um, and some of it's paid and some of it's free and it just depends on what level you want to engage with. But yeah, they're very cool. So Jen, what if they want to find you? How can we find yeah. you out there? on the internet? <laughs> well, my website is jennifermilius.com. I'm in social. Predominantly, I really like to hang out in Instagram at author Jennifer Milius. And I'm also have a presence in LinkedIn. So that's another way. But book a call, book a consult, whether it's through the website or even sending me a note saying, I heard you on the show. And could we talk? That's great. Then when, when you do that, say that Emma and Shelly sent you. So <laughs> yeah. you, you won't get any special perks or anything, but, <laughs> but it'll make us happy. <laughs> also, Another thing that would make us happy is if you went and listened to Jennifer's show, this is a slightly selfish plug because I was in fact on her show a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. And so you can go back and listen to that recording about writing about hard things. And uh, you should totally listen because there's some really awesome. I'm not just saying this because I was a guest, but there's some really awesome guests on there who talk in depth about the work that they're doing and how they solve writing problems and all kinds of exciting things like that. So go check that out when you're done with this. And then, you know, do the whole like, share and subscribe of both podcasts and you'll have done your good deed for the day. Everyone will be happy. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. for that. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, Jen. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. This has been fun. Thank you both for having me.